Uh, before we get started here, uh, we just wanted to take a moment to talk about um, what's been going on around the country. Um, it's obviously been weighing on our minds and hearts, and I know has affected me tremendously personally. Um, but before we kind of uh, think about other things for about an hour, hour and a half, um, we just want to say Black Lives Matter and... We're going to keep fighting this fight. We're going to keep standing up for what's right. And and for those of us who are allies and out there on the front lines helping, we cannot thank you more enough. And keep it up because we're going to make change happen and we're well on our way. So now, um, with that being said, let's, uh, let's make a <laughs> stupid show for a little bit. Here we go. <laughs> Hi, before we get started with the episode, we just wanted to point you in the direction of the social accounts we've set up for the show to help you guys engage with us and communicate and get involved with our show. You can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. Emailing us will really be the best way to talk to us directly and conversate with us on air during the show. Also, be sure to like You Can't Disappoint a Podcast on Facebook. And you can also follow us on Instagram at Can't Disappoint Podcast and Twitter at you can't disappoint. That's disappoint like disappoint. So there's one S and two P's. Well, thanks for tuning in, and let's kick off the episode. Here we go. <laughs> Open your textbooks to page 37. Now, close them and throw them away. Throw it away! For those of you who are new, the motto of this class, Carpe Diem, seize the day! Yeah, there's never a not awkward way to kick this off. Um, okay. Hi, welcome back to You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. I'm Zach. Hi, I'm Steven. Welcome. And we're <laughs> back yet again to talk about another episode of Community. Yeah, I uh, I was very pleasantly surprised with how I felt about this one. While we're getting started today, we want to shout out our friends on Twitter at Communies. Last week, I totally said their at wrong. I spelled it wrong. I left out an S, so I want to apologize for that. I, I, it was a blunder. It was an oversight. It won't happen again, sirs. I apologize. <laughs> They're a great gathering of community fans and of community podcasts on Twitter. They post a lot of great stuff, so go and follow them. Their real at is C O M M U N I E S S. And if you're here yes, because they retweeted us, we really appreciate you checking us out, and we hope you stick around. Woohoo! Yeah, honestly, you know, this whole week, it's been going back and forth with, like, do I want to record a podcast about community this week with everything going on? Or would that be something that's really, like, beneficial to do to kind of take my mind off of it and focus on a positive thing for a while? And, yeah, today, I really think I've been at the point where it's good to just take a breath and think about community for a while. Absolutely. I feel like this whole week I've been 
you know, just kind of had a lot of weight yeah. in general on my mind. And today, just kind of <laughs> taking a couple hours and just watching an episode of Community literally just brought a smile to my face. I laughed more today than I probably have all week, so it was really great. And on top of that, with this particular episode, there were a lot of laughs, and this is an episode that's a bit of a thinker, too. Not quite in the way that last week's conversation was, but it it, it made me think a little bit about a different issue for a little while, which was a nice pause, a nice breath. I think so. I love how I kind of went from one end of the emotional spectrum to the other. I laughed quite a bit, but I also got a little emotional at times, you know, and I I think this episode says a little more than it lets on maybe with first breath, but, you know, I think that it conveys a, a, a message and gives us even more of a look into characters that we you know, are going to spend some time with. Today, of course, we're talking about the third episode of Community, since this is our third episode. It's Introduction to Film. It was written by Tim Hobart and John Polak, which were names that were not familiar with me. So I dug a little bit deeper, and they wrote a couple other episodes of the show, but only in the first season. Hmm. Um, Together they wrote Introduction to Statistics, which is the great Halloween special from this season that's coming up. They also together wrote Investigative Journalism, which is the episode that Jack Black guest starred in, which is a highlight. Oh, cool. And then Tim Hobart, one of the two, also wrote Debate 109 and English as a Second Language, which are other two pretty good episodes from the first season. Oh, nice. I saw, I can't remember which actor it was, but there's like a guest star that's in this episode that doesn't come back until the episode Debate 109. I think it's um, the teacher. Oh, maybe. We'll yeah. we'll talk about him a lot. John Michael Higgins. Absolutely. And it was directed by Anthony Russo. So the first one was Joe and Anthony. Last week was Joe, and this week was Anthony. The episode originally aired on the 1st of October, 2009. Ooh, almost spooky time. Not a ton of behind-the-scenes stuff on this one. Um, I think that's just because now we're at the point of the show where it was just their job every week to crank out an episode. Yeah. So there's not a lot of bringing it all together. No, not a lot of uh, crazy go get this to make it happen. <laughs> they kind of were already... The, the ball is starting to roll now. Yeah, absolutely. It kind of feels like an alternate universe second episode. If I that, agree. If that second episode never existed, so this one, instead of introducing Chang, introduces uh, Professor Whitman, played by John Michael Higgins, and... Chang isn't in this episode. Duncan isn't in this episode. I don't. Uh, the Dean isn't in this episode. No, not at all. It fits just fine as a third episode, and it's totally fine that we only see some of these characters sometimes because it's a huge campus, and seeing this other class kind of makes it feel more like a living, breathing campus. Absolutely. You know, they're signing up for classes. There's, you know, deadlines. It kind of adds a little bit of, of life to the school, which is always nice when that happens because that makes mm-hmm. it feel less like a TV show and more like, okay, they are actually on a campus they're going to classes and the show does kind of forget to do that sometimes so it's nice to yeah. see that oh these characters have like you said other classes and deadlines and um this episode has a lot more of the ways that the study group interact with each other outside of the study group makes more sense than just putting the main characters of the show together it kind of just feels like during this episode we see greendale as a whole 
through the eyes of our study group and they kind of like cross paths as they're doing their different things. I agree. I agree. I like that it's kind of broken up into groups and there's some evidence that there's, you know, been some bonding between some of the people outside of the scope of the show, which right. is always good to build relationships. The only person that doesn't really get a lot to do in this one to what I thought was Annie. Mm-hmm. She doesn't really get a lot to do. She, was, everyone else, gets a good moment. I think. Yeah, Annie kind of just stands up on the desk first, but that's about it. Yeah, um, and there's a little moment we'll probably talk about it, and towards the beginning where she kind of hints at her interest in Troy, like her romantic yes. interest in Troy. Um. So trivia. Do you have trivia? I do. How many do you have? I had a little more trouble. I have three this week. I have four. I had a little more trouble, too. I wouldn't be surprised if some of ours overlap. Okay. Do you want me to go, go first, first since I have yeah. an extra one? Okay. Um, okay. How long does it take Pierce to say something racist after Jeff sets his watch? Oh, that is an excellent question. Thank you. Um, 29 seconds. <laughs> right on. <laughs> exactly. That was very funny. A good joke. A memorable yeah. joke. A lot of stuff that came up in this one. I was like, oh, this one has this joke. Yeah, I forgot some of the lines that were from this one specifically. What was the homework assigned to the class? To tell 10 people I love you. There was another thing that was a part of the homework that he said before that. And was it to fly a kite? Swim in a lake. Your homework! Ah. I want you to swim in a lake. And tell ten people that you love them. Okay. Yeah, I didn't know that <laughs> yeah. part. You got, the, you got the important part. What page of the textbook are we turning to? Oh, that's a good one. Was Turn it, to page. Was it 37 or 87? Which what one's you your that? answer? Um, 37. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Ooh. Don't doubt yourself, Steven. You're right, you're right. I believe. <laughs> Carpe diem, I gotta seize the day. That was a good one. Okay. What color were Jeff's suspenders in his day-seizing outfit? They're very Mork and Mindy. Oh, super duper. I don't want to say it's, it wasn't quite rainbow. It was more like blue and red, right? No, I, I, I wrote rainbow. It was rainbow? Okay. There were, there were at least guess like myself. three or four colors in there. Yeah. I won't quite count that as I got it right, but... I can see it in my head. Mm-hmm. His suit or something was blue and red. What? I don't know. He had like, on like a Christmas tie, and it, it was a whole. It was very Mork and Mindy, though, which fits into what I'm sure we'll talk about through the episode is the Robin Williams theme. But um, Yeah, that's actually one question? of my upcoming trivia questions. I'll go oh. ahead and do that one. Why doesn't Abed like Robin Williams? Oh, um, <laughs> is it because... Abed, not a fan. In every movie, there's an authority figure that gets mad at him for making people laugh. No, are, are you going to take the class? Oh, can't. There's always an authoritative figure that gets mad at him for making people laugh. That's exactly what it is. Nice. <laughs> that was good. Which is which is funny, because in a lot of his movies, that's That's exactly what it is, yeah. <laughs> Patch you Adams. You can be funny. Um, <laughs> Patch Adams, Good, good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. Um, the one that this is referencing... Okay, now, this one is not exactly a trivia question. What do you mean? (laughs) More like a trivia challenge, Zach. 
Okay. I would like you to give me your best, and you have two options here. Oh, man. You can, you can either give me your best draw them in sneeze, or your best the Cubs are going to win it all sneeze. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, so you got to draw them in like, and then maybe I wouldn't sneeze. <laughs> because you have the power. Because you have the power. That wasn't my best, but on the fly... I thought that'd be that was, easier yeah. to do than the... Yeah, I think the Cubs Absolutely. are going to take it all this year. Cha! <laughs> <laughs> I laughed so hard <laughs> during that part, good guess. And um, one last question for you, since I had an extra one. Mm-hmm. Um, what class does Mr. Whitman actually teach? Ooh, accounting. Yeah. This is no way to teach accounting! Those are good. That was good. So that's it for trivia. Let's get right into the episode. Let's do it. We're starting to have a reputation of the super long community podcast. We are. I feel like this one should be a little shorter. We said that. We said that last week. I really (laughs) thought last week was going to be shorter, and it was definitely longer. Yeah. And, you know, I get if the episode length turns people off a little bit, but I think that I'm okay with being the community podcast that, like, takes it down to like joke by joke almost and takes it down to like beat by beat if that's that's... if that's gonna be our thing i think i'm fine with that Mm -hmm. i'm down with it i'm down with the sickness so the episode kicks off with a shot that i really like that's a pan down like from you see like the ceiling of one of the outdoor built building structures and it pans down to the busy campus and we see jeff running to class i think that's a pretty cool shot I do too. Um, I liked it. It really kind of it gets us in that spirit of okay, we're at school and we're running late. Mm-hmm. This first interaction that Jeff has when he sits down with this kid, they commented it, or Dan Harmon mentioned it in the commentary. The joke here is kind of funny, but the execution and delivery doesn't quite work. No, it doesn't. I think the first half of their interaction, something was off. With, like, the way the kid responded. He's like, I've heard a lot about this class being easy. Are you passing? And the kid's like, he doesn't say anything. Yeah. And then he says, do you like Dan Cook? And he, like, barely says, yeah, he's all, I don't, I can't really. He's like, he's awesome, or that guy's great, or something like that. And then after that, Joel says, uh, like, so far, so good. But he kind of says it to where (laughs) you can't really hear what he's saying. (laughs) And I don't know, it's a little... Awkward. It's an awkward yeah. The thing interaction that, that doesn't it so quite weird work was that he said so far so good, but the kid never said he was passing the class. He just said that he liked Dane Cook. Yeah. And so that doesn't really. Yeah. It's not it's it's up. like they should they really sh- they should have done another take. It's like there's a yeah. line missing there. Anyway, I also think maybe part of it is this scene. This shot is timed to where Professor Whitman walks into the room at the end of that interaction. So they probably mm-hmm. really had to time, like, okay, go, 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 go. So maybe that <laughs> was just, like, the time that they got it timed out right. I don't know. Yeah. It just was a little I'm weird sure way to start to do with it. a pretty good episode. It was. And I actually, when I was watching the first time, I was thinking back on it, and I was like, oh, you know, I really liked the opening to the episode, but it's because I had forgotten that that was the very opening, and I was thinking more about kind of the next part. And, yeah, Professor Whitman, played by John Michael Higgins, walks in, and John Michael Higgins is just one of those familiar faces that seems to show up in everything and be positive. I think he's so likable. 
kind of like all the time a younger fred willard who recently passed away sadly just yeah. one of those friendly faces in comedy that shows up to be like a bit character i remember um he's on arrested development he's like wayne jarvis they're like really serious lawyer who they're yeah. trying to like always like slide stuff under the table and he'll he's like I shall go crouch behind that bush or something like that. He's really <laughs> funny in that. He's also really funny in a short-lived Tina Fey created show called Great News. I never watched that. Where he was that. like a lead anchor. That show's really funny and he was like the highlight of it. And also a John Michael Higgins fun fact that I learned while googling through his filmography. You know how on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody you never see London's dad who owns the hotel. Yes. There's an episode where you do, and a couple episodes where he's like mobbed around him, and you oh, catch really? like a glimpse of him, and it's John Michael Higgins. That's hilarious. I thought it was too. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I think he's so funny. Every time he pops up in in movies, you know, he's someone who I always am like, okay, he's funny. He's he's really good at like playing off of whoever his kind of other piece in the scene is too, which is always good. And he's really funny in this episode for being kind of a one-note character who just only spouts out these dead poet society, sees the day uh, teacher trying to get on the level with their students and be like, grades don't matter, you matter. But yeah. he's really funny with it. I It makes me think about, like, who is this guy and what got him to this point? Like, is he this really sad divorcee? Did something, like, really bad happen in his life to where he's, like, kind of snapped and now he's just, like, seize the day, rainbows, birthday cake? Yeah, wouldn't it be, like, hilarious if he had some tragic backstory where, you know, when he was a child, he, you know, had the Dead Poet Society movie playing in the background, like, during some awful event, and so now he's hung on to that, and his <laughs> he goal just fixated was on to it. bring the happiness. Yeah, because he's like, oh, that brought me happiness as a child, so wow. let me bring that to the world. Yeah, I like to think that this guy goes deeper than this, and it's like a sad story led to this positive man. Yeah, this is why our episodes are an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so he walks in, and he tells everyone to open the book to page 37, and everyone does. And then he's like, throw it away, ha ha ha, throw it away. And it's the thought crossing my head, of course, was, I've gone to college. I know how much each of these books cost. Right? If I spent $150 on a used textbook for my teacher to be like, throw it away, hug a tree, I'd be pissed. <laughs> like, you're, you're paying me back for this if I'm tearing it up. Right? I would be so upset. <laughs> I'd be like, um, I will set it down nicely on the floor. So he's just got this mentality of no grades, no tests, no papers. Just live in the moment and you'll get an A which is music to the ears of Jeff, who's just checking this class to see if he wants to add it to his schedule. Because, like he said to the emotionless, personalityless Dane Cook kid, he just <laughs> wants to check this class out and maybe put it last minute on his schedule. And immediately he can tell that he's made the right choice because this dude is a joke. Yeah. I mean, we all, we all knew those teachers in high school or college that you knew really didn't do anything. And so you're like, oh, I hope I get that teacher because I can basically sit around and goof off the whole time, you know? And and, and for Jeff, that's exactly what he wants because he's made it clear he doesn't intend on doing any actual work or getting any actual, right. you know, knowledge or anything out of this experience other than the credits he needs to go practice law again. 
Well, which is why this teacher is begin- is going to be a good foil for Jeff in this episode. Because even though the class is a easy A or don't have to put any effort into a class, the teacher is genuine as po- is as genuine as possible, and he can see straight through Jeff. Totally, he I, and I think that he even can see through him before he lets on. Well, yeah, um. there's that nice <laughs> like everybody's leaving the class and he's like, "You could die tonight. You could get hit by a car. You've got a mole that looks really bad. That might be cancer." And he's like, Jeff, you are new. And Jeff's like so enthusiastic about how easy this class is going to be that he fakes it. He's He says, um, oh, I am new, but I'll be old way too soon. And yeah, yeah the teacher shakes his hand. is like, haha, I like it. You're great. But you can kind of tell that the enthusiasm Jeff is pushing out is not genuine. It's him. No. Slacking, yeah. After that, we cut to the study room with Pierce. I feel like I'm not supposed to like Pierce as much as I do, but every right? time <laughs> I, I don't want to like Chevy, which makes me not want to like Pierce. But he's just often one of the funniest characters on the show. So everyone's waiting for <laughs> Jeff to get here as usual, and he's voice command, voice command, voice command. Voice command. Voice command. The, everyone watching him, my favorite of those is Shirley's just like nodding her, like shaking her head in, in <laughs> yeah. sadness. She's like, mm-mm. As he's just voice command, voice command. And then my favorite one is he like clears the story. So, <clears throat> voice command. <laughs> and it's still, <laughs> yeah. and it's still, it still doesn't do anything. I've uh. totally seen my grandparents do this. Oh my gosh. Where they do it five or six times to try to do the convenient way that they don't understand <laughs> when they could have just done it the way that they know how to do it and it would have taken two seconds. The amount of times that my grandmother has referred to Siri by things that are not Siri's name. <laughs> I literally need to go over to my grandparents' house soon and have been kind of putting it off because my grandpa called me like, well, we got a new iPhone and they've never had anything but oh, a flip no. phone. But yeah. And they've never had anything but a flip phone before. And they're like, there's no signal. It doesn't It doesn't get any bars. <laughs> and they keep trying to FaceTime audio call me, which doesn't work because they don't know how to set up the Wi-Fi. And they can't oh, voice no. call me on it because they're not getting any bars. And I need to go over there and get them some bars sometime. I'm actually uh, so proud of my grandma because she now has an iPhone for the first time. I'm proud of them. she's figured I... out FaceTiming. Right? And and she's actually pretty good at texting. They're really long messages, but, you know, I don't mind it. And she has even started using emojis, which is cute. My grandparents aren't that far, but I do send... <laughs> I do send a couple word text messages sometimes, and they'll, like, send something that just, like, feels like it's out of, like, a bygone era. It'll be, like, a <laughs> black and white... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> sometimes I feel like my grandma sent me, like, a, a love letter from the notebook... And she, like, signs it at the end, and I'm yes. like, <laughs> it's so sweet. Somehow they don't know how to send a text, but they have no problem sending me, like, like, <laughs> like propaganda chain messages on email all the time that are like, click here to find out why the fluoride in the water is turning our kids gay and stuff like that. Like, why can you I do this, but you couldn't get my Easter picture that I tried to send people... you? Right? 
Like, why is it that the people I'm friends with on Facebook who are over the age of, like, 60, they don't know how to set their profile picture, but they know how to forward me, like, 18 messages there, there's like this this lady who's somehow connected to my family and her you know when you take your when you put a profile picture it gives you the option just to like take one so her profile yeah. picture is like a bad oh, angle no. clearly picture that she took of herself and then her cover photo is another badly angled picture of herself <laughs> that's different than the first one but clearly taken at the same time it's so pure <laughs> it is pretty it is pretty funny I, I just wish that oh, someone would people. help them out. And <laughs> but, like, I feel confident for like being here. I feel confident saying this on our podcast because I know that none of them understand what a podcast is or Not how to get case. to it. <laughs> so I, I think we're safe. Yeah, my grandma listens to music from links that I've sent her to YouTube videos. <laughs> <laughs> it's like where, where do I drop the needle? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> Are you at the library? Anyway. Yeah. Old people. We're, one day we're going to be just as useless. So, oh, yeah. So Britta snaps and says, would you please just use the buttons like we all have to our grandparents sometime? And yeah. Pierce says, okay, Grandpa. <laughs> this is just another great – every time we're in the study room with everybody, it's so funny. After that, we oh, get Troy's so beautiful – Baby girl sneeze. Can you do it? I be- I want to hear you try. Right, let me see. I I was literally just thinking to myself, can I do it? Let me I scoot bet. back from my mic ever slightly. I <laughs> wasn't very good. That was close. Not, that could have been worse. Great. Could have been worse. And it was a little it, more high than that. Even Shirley like is the one to go right to making fun of it. She's like, oh, God bless you, dear. Dear. <laughs> <laughs> Which is still just her saying the nicest thing ever, but <laughs> like... <laughs> And everyone's laughing at him, and he's like, guys, what's happening? Why are you making fun of me for? Troy's reactions and facial expressions are really funny. So good. And Jeff comes in to the study room explaining this blow-off class that he's signed up for and how everyone should jump on while they still can. There's no work. There's no tests. It's just day seizing. The deadline to enroll is tomorrow. I suggest you all do it. And Annie doesn't want to do it because she's there to learn, but everyone else in the class is or in the group, is kind of on board to join, not because of easy A blow-off class. Like, you can see in Shirley that she's like, oh, seize the day. Like, a class that's going to, like, help me, in like, enjoy my everyday life and stuff more, right? you know? They're, like, it, they're looking at it for the right reasons, while Jeff is like, come on, guys. It's nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I was just thinking uh, to myself when I was watching this that Troy has a very minor role in this episode when it comes to the amount of you know lines he speaks or and in the series so far yeah yeah but he actually has a major influence on it because as you know we're gonna get to in a second uh he's the one who was first like okay i'm in i'll do this which kind of brought annie along yeah annie's like i'm only here to learn and then troy's (laughs) like it sounds fun i'll do it and he's like okay me too that sounds great i love robin williams (laughs) And that's where we get that trivia line um, where Abed, are you going to join? He's like, no, I don't really like, I'm not a fan. He's, <laughs> he's just always against someone who doesn't want him to make people laugh. He's just focused on the Robin Williams part of it. He doesn't care what everybody else is listening to. He heard movie stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and this is when we first bring up a little conversation about how 
his dad will only pay for classes that will help him learn what he needs to do to be able to take over the family falafel business when it's his time to take it over. Yeah. And, of course, Britta jumps right onto that, like, your dad is oppressing you. He has your whole life planned out. Do you even want to work in falafel? And, of course, Abed, like, doesn't really want to. He mentions that he loves movies and he wants to work in movies, but his dad doesn't understand movies. He thinks that they... But my dad says, all media is Western propaganda that negatively stereotypes Arabs. Which I could see that. I could see someone looking at film and most of that being American popular film and feeling that way. Well, I mean, especially think about, like, our age growing up in the 9-11 era where most of the media that we've consumed was made post-9-11 and right after... The bad guys in all the action movies were Middle Eastern. They were North African, you know, Arabic people. Whereas, you know, in the right. 80s, it was all, you know, German, Russian You're right. bad guys. But it, that's made a vast switch in our lifetime. Well, I like that the study groups follow up to the dad not thinking films are good representation. Troy says he should see Aladdin. <laughs> <laughs> and his example Aladdin of course is a great example of like bad representation absolutely <laughs> but his example is <laughs> Jafar the bad guy of the movie he says Jafar was a badass and Jafar everybody else in the group though. is like yep mm-hmm, yep, like, yeah he got a point <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> that was really funny and but that's like what's funny about that is that's exactly the type of thing that somebody would say if someone were genuinely like, you know, oh yeah, we're not really portrayed that great in film media. So he's like, well, what about Aladdin? <laughs> right. right. And immediately Britta does something very, very nice for Abed and is willing to pay for her or for Abed to be able to take this film class, Absolutely. which is super nice. But just kind of like we talked about last week, Britta's making it about her. Totally. Abed's not, even if it, Abed's not super vocal about how he wants to take this class, but his dad won't let him. He's just explaining lightly. He doesn't make a big deal about how disappointed he is, and that might just be Abed not being able to show that. But Britta's conviction about it certainly isn't because of what Abed's giving her. It's because, we'll talk a little bit later, Britta mentions having a bad relationship with her father. She, like, sees herself in this situation and wants to fix it or wants to be the savior of the situation. Yeah, she wants to be, you know, the hero that she couldn't be for herself, for someone else, I think. That being in a lot of things, yeah. Mm-hmm. That sums up the Britta character. And to say these negative things about Britta, I think this episode, again, is a pretty good Britta episode. I think so, too. I really love the line. Shirley's like... Isn't Abed's dad a hardcore Muslim? They're not as understanding as Christians. You can get your head cut off with a salami sword. <laughs> to which Annie just looks so appalled. <laughs> That's such great writing of, like, Christians who think that they are, like, holier than thou. And they're like, oh, these other people, they're really misunderstanding. And then says something really misunderstanding of those other people. <clears throat> Absolutely. Shirley, you know, up, appearingly at least has, you know, the best intentions. But like Annie said, she said something incredibly racist. You and know? <laughs> Shirley's like, is that racist? And Annie's yeah. like, that's the most racist thing I've ever heard. I've ever heard. <laughs> and that's where we get that great joke. Uh, Pierce will beat that in one minute. <laughs> and sets a timer. Everyone kind of moves on from it instantly as Abed shows that check that says, Four Dreams. Aww. 
and Jeff can just feel that, oh my gosh, this is becoming a family, and I am part of this. And so he tries to rein it back into study group time, and Troy sneezes again, and Jeff gets to make fun of that. Mm-hmm. And there's that great Troy line. Do you know which one <laughs> I'm talking about without saying the it? The one, he's like, uh... Hey, Troy sneezes like a girl, and how about I pound you like a boy? That didn't come out right. <laughs> <laughs> just just continuously on the theme of Troy's accidental double entendres. And then right after that, we get that set up for Pierce to say something racist. Because this whole scene, it's beautiful. Pierce is like on his laptop trying to figure out technology or like doing the voice command thing. So while yeah. they're talking about all this, he's not paying any attention. And Jeff is like, Pierce will say something. He'll come out and say something racist. And Shirley says, how about everyone just leave Troy alone with his little baby girl sneezes Troy's like, you're not my mom, and Pierce just so, like, innocently, she isn't. He, I know, he, like, looks up and kind of looks around, he's like, she's not? Right? It's, it's so good. Shirley, who is certainly too young to have a son. Yeah, absolutely, she is. After the great theme song sequence, we cut back to Professor Whitman's class, and the whole study group's there, and Shirley is in front of the class. And I love that this isn't the type of show that shows us what led to this situation. Because I can just imagine them all sitting there and Professor Whitman being like, You, come up here. We're talking about your life today. Like with Shirley. Right. And I'm glad that we just... We've got a lot of new faces. Who's first? And Shirley's like, okay. (laughs) All right. (laughs) And Troy and Jeff fist bump over how easy the class is, even though Jeff says he'll (laughs) never do it again. He'll fist bump just the one time and never again. I love how evident it is that Troy is just looking for a bro so yeah. bad. He, or or he's used to being like the leader of a pack of bros. Yeah. So whenever he says something or wants to say something, he's used to having like a backup bro next to him. So he's Absolutely. like, hey, fist bump me for what I just said. <laughs> it's great. And this little bit of Shirley in front of the class tells us some stuff about her character that we hadn't learned yet. Absolutely it does. It tells us about her, you know, former marriage. Well, right at first it just brings up that she wants to get a degree in business so she can sell her baked goods and whatnot on the internet. Yeah. Which is something that continues throughout the series. Mm-hmm. And which begs the question, does one need a bachelor's in business <laughs> to sell your baked goods and whatnot on the internet? I don't think so. Not at all, you don't. I don't that. think so at all. But let's let's look at that. Zach for a moment. Okay. Because do you think that maybe Shirley was just, you know, it kind of becomes a theme that she maybe was holding herself back because of some things, you know, didn't really believe in herself for a long time. So she feels like she needs to go to school and get this to have the, have the skills and the. Absolutely. If anything, it's, you know, delaying the time before she actually has to be out there. Or like maybe she never went to college because she got married or got in a relationship and even if she's just going to college, or I shouldn't say just going to college, but even though she's going to college to be able to learn to sell her food on the internet, this is like she's finally going to college. Exactly. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's, she's empowering herself. And Whitman is pretty good in this moment when he doesn't believe what Shirley says, and Shirley at first is like, what do you mean? That's why I'm here. I just said why I'm here, and that's all there is to it. But Whitman gets her to see that there is a little bit more to it. Something that, like, Jeff isn't willing to do. And the purpose of this class is for moments like this. 
Yeah, it's it's honestly another Robin Williams thing there mm-hmm. uh, with the um, Goodwill Hunting scene where mm-hmm. he's like, "It's not your fault. I know that. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault." You know that whole scene. You've literally so, done that to me before. <laughs> it's true. I was just thinking we had that exact moment in real life. I've Robin Williams to you before. It's cheesy as hell, but yeah, it totally it, happened. It, it, it totally happened. It, it, true story. And it was like an emotional friendship moment, and I was like, <laughs> no, what you just said there, that, that's good will hunting. <laughs> Applicable. We just Who watched that together a month ago movies. before that happened. Yeah, you're right. It's like, you think I wouldn't remember that? <laughs> well, uh, you know, women's is it women? I keep thinking, go yes. like Whitman and Whitson. I keep wanting it to say it. It is Whitman because Walt Whitman. Walt Whitman. Yeah. yeah. Well, as he says, you know, only once we stop stopping our lives can we begin to start starting them. Absolutely profound. A lesson we should all hear and learn, I guess. Don't let your dreams be dreams. So then he calls out Annie, and who's taking notes and. He is noticing that she could be doing a little more seizing the day and tells her to get up on her desk. Get on up there. Because after this funny line about, like, why did the really pretty girl die alone surrounded by cats who learned how to use a human toilet? They're like, because she wouldn't seize the day or something like that. It's like, get yeah. up on your desk. And when he, when Whitman says some of these things, it's like... The spirit is taking hold of him and he like can't contain it and he's like he like needs annie to stand up on her desk <laughs> it's not just like hey be a better person he's like oh just stand up on your desk he's like get on up there you can do it come on there's more right to he it. needs this moment to happen that's this grand you know like, come on climax stand on your movie. desk just get up <laughs> and then th- one of my biggest laughs in the whole episode is like everyone up on your oh desk stand up 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 come on get up here we have been told our whole lives not to stand up to your desk and why? <laughs> I watched that scene three times and I laughed out loud three times. And almost as funny as the fall is <laughs> Whitman, like, she's okay, go to the nurse, she's seize okay. the day. Seize the day. <laughs> she's okay, go to the nurse, seize the day. And I I didn't learn a lot from the commentary this one. Uh it was Dan Harmon and Danny Pudi and Gillian and Donald Glover. And they were just kind of enjoying the episode and having fun talking to each other. It was a fun listen. But Mm -hmm. they said that... So this was like a professional stunt person who came to do this. And they had to do this a couple of times. And Donald said, like, after the third time, they saw her, like, kind of, like, bleeding on the floor. (laughs) And he'd be like, are you okay? And she'd be like, yeah, I'm fine. Another take. (laughs) Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, just for this little pratfall joke, but it's very funny. It's so funny. And I think that's like, I mean, just really well done physical comedy in a sitcom. You know? Yes. So that's good. Well done. At, after a joke that doesn't super land between Shirley and Pierce while they're standing yeah, on top of the annoying. desk about, Pierce does a little like hand movement talking about Shirley's husband's impotence yeah. that she like slightly referenced after that we get whitman's homework to go out and tell 10 people that you love them which we and should we should do that more often there are only like five people in my life that i tell i love them anyway <laughs> <laughs> um whitman calls jeff to come talk to him about 
the homework assignment and how he can kind of pick up on Jeff's false excitement. And while that's happening in the foreground, there's some really funny stuff going on with Pierce in the background. He's like trying to help up the girl that fell. Yeah. And she's like, I'm fine. Then she like falls again. She's like, oh, oh, maybe I'm not. Maybe I'm not. <laughs> and then during Jeff and Whitman talking, uh, at first Jeff thinks Whitman's talking about Pierce. And mm-hmm. when he looks back at Pierce, Pierce is saying to the girl who fell, he's like, do you need a ride home? <laughs> Which, oh of God. course, of course he's like... I didn't catch that bit. Of course he is. Mm-hmm. And Jeff, who thinks he's just, like, made it, is given this ultimatum of either seize the day, which you're clearly not doing for real, or you're going to fail the class. Because Jeff's saying I love you to Whitman to like show off that he's doing his homework assignment and just all comes off so fake and phony. Mm-hmm. And Jeff probably thinks that Whitman is someone who's like really fake and phony, but he's Absolutely. like I said he's as genuine as can be. He really is trying to change lives. And yeah, he can see right through Jeff and he's not willing to just let him take the easy way out of something that should be easy. Yeah. And that is where we get the funny reveal. This is no way to teach accounting. <laughs> Because I was thinking, what class is this guy actually teaching? I know, and I actually didn't even catch it until the second time through because I was laughing so hard when it ended just about the her falling down again and kind of the dialogue. And uh, the second time through, I was like, oh shit, it's accounting? This next scene that comes up for me is one of the most awkward scenes in the episode because it's setting up a lot of things that are going to pay off later. And it makes the setup... I don't know. This is that scene where it starts with Jeff and Britta walking outside and Jeff's talking about the trouble he's having and Abed comes up and he's filming them. Yeah. Because he's learning about documentaries in his film class and he's trying to make one or he's trying to learn about them. Um, There's that funny line of they're like real movies but with ugly people. (laughs) Yeah. When he's right in Britta's face. And after they crack wise for a second, Abed says that he's doing a movie about his dad which Britta thinks is a great idea because, again, she's just been patting herself and her daddy issues on the back with all of this. Absolutely. Britta asks what happens when you tell your dad that you signed up for a film class, and Abed says that part hasn't happened yet. Here he comes. And here comes Abed's dad, who is a familiar face that I love very dearly. Yeah. I think he's hilarious. Well, this actor, his name is Iqbal Thiba, and I know him as Principal Figgins from Glee. From Glee. Mm-hmm. Now, I know it's not cool to like Glee, but no. I begrudgingly stuck with Glee throughout its entirety. It started out decent. It got really bad. Um, actually, True. to talk about Glee for a second, Glee and Community started at the same time. And mm-hmm. they were kind of compared to each other a little bit in the beginning because they're both like groups of misfits that come together. And yeah. then the show, if you watch the pilots of both of those shows, you could see how they're kind of similar. But then yeah. both shows went a really different direction, <laughs> a super different direction. Yeah, very and much so. This actor is a common thread between the two. And Glee mm. and Community were shot on the same lot as each other. So really? the Community cast will talk about sometimes how, like, they'd be working and they'd run into the Glee cast and they'd be really nice. And they said since Glee was such a high-profile show, there'd always be, like, paparazzi there to take pictures of the Glee cast and try to get, like, scoop on what was going on there because that was such a phenomenon for a second. Yeah, totally. People lost their minds when it first started. 
the community cast would always be like, hey, we're a show too. Come take pictures of us. And they'd be like, nah. <laughs> they said that, I like, forgot that those started around the same time. When Glee had their 100th episode, they, the network threw them like a huge party. Mm-hmm. And when Community had their 100th episode, the network told them they had to throw their own party. <laughs> so <laughs> their props department had to build a party and take it down at the end oh of the night God. like as like a set like as work and they like made their own cake and stuff like that that's awful but all this to be said glee is a show that i watched and enjoyed a lot of and was very confused and disappointed by most of it but principal figgins played by iqbal Thebo, was always one of the funniest and was always one of the funniest characters on the show and on a show that ruined just about every one of its characters he was one of only two or three characters i can think of that was always consistent Wow. Watching Glee, if Principal Figgins showed up, it was always like, okay, he's doing his job right, at least. They... Yeah, I liked him on the show. I watched for a while, and I stopped when it started to take a turn, and I was like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and hop off this ship. So I... <laughs> so I did not see the last seasons of it. But That's fine. You don't need to. The I, I ending of Glee stopped is terrible. about... A month or two before Cory Monteith passed away. Mon- and Monteith. you're like, you you stayed on a little bit longer than necessary too. Like you definitely yeah, gave it a fair chance. For sure. Anyway, okay. seeing him is a really friendly face, and I love him here as Abed's dad. Yeah, I think he plays the role really well, and he he fits the bill. He he walks up and he's like, "Where do I find Mr. Bitta? I'm Mr. Bretta. That's right." I'm a woman with rights, and you can see my whole face. There are a couple of, like I said, this seems a little awkward, and there are a I couple. I hate Jeff's first line. I holy war! Well, I didn't like that one at all. There are, yeah, I didn't like that either. Nor did I really get it, other than no, just, it's just, not funny, mm-hmm. right? And the same thing to where I get where Britta's like, that's right, I'm Mr. Britta. I'm a woman with rights, but her line about and you can see my entire face. Oh my god! Yeah, I was like, what the hell? I get there. I get the point of the joke is that Britta is social justice warrior who says stuff that's not fitting that bill all the time. But like, I feel like that's just outright offensive. That's just not a like great if, joke. And it's yeah. kind of an offensive joke. Abed's dad follows it up with, "Oh, I get it. Because I'm Arab, I must hate women." He's like, "Actually, I love women, but I'm just getting major vibes that you're a B." Yeah, <laughs> a major B word vibe from B word. I vibes. thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I did. And Jeff is just kind of a smug jerk this whole episode. Absolutely, he is. Jeff doesn't win a lot of points. This whole Abed plotline that's kind of heavy, even if I get why Jeff wasn't doesn't want to get involved with it, the whole story, he's just whining and constantly saying how he doesn't want to get involved with it instead of like leaving the situation or getting involved with it. <laughs> yeah, he just is sitting around whining about it, making it more about him. When it's really not. But then there's another funny line from Abed's dad. And he's like, you go host American Idol. And you stop messing with my son. <laughs> I like that a lot because he definitely does look like Ryan Seacrest here. But taller. And this huge conversation, this huge argument between Britta and Abed's dad is kind of what makes me feel a little bit awkward. Britta's just totally overstepping. A hundred percent. Like, and and even when, when Jeff jumps in, you know, to raise the point, like, he even says, you know, we can't tell you about your faith or your family, 
but Abed's an adult, and then he makes that joke that I think also falls a little flat, where he like double checks whether Abed's a citizen or not. Yes. But um, yeah, they're both literally just saying, "Oh, well." It's like you know you hear the comedians that talk about you know black comedians when they have their white friends over, like, "Man, that's your space." Like she can't tell you how to do that. They're literally doing that to this man about his like. You know, right. courses. And I get Abed is an adult and he can choose his own courses, but he's also not paying for his own college, you know? So. The line that I do like here, there are, there's some good stuff in here showing how it would have been really difficult for Abed's parents to raise Abed and the type of kid Abed is compared to where Abed's parents come from. And totally. how, how that would, there's a huge disconnect between them. And there's this great line where they can't see that Abed's use of a camera is a tool is like a is like a it, it makes him more able in so many ways when he can't say and explain things he can film them and make it art and Abed's dad can't quite see that yet he's really confused by this and he has this really great line where he says see it was hard enough to talk to him before now we have this between us let's go talking about yeah. the camera and I totally get that it was I thought that was pretty powerful I did too I thought that it really kind of showed that you know, even if it's, and I don't even think it's really that deep down. I think he genuinely wants a relationship with his son, but he just doesn't know how to talk and relate to him at all. And he just sees this as another tool for his son to hide behind to keep them from actually interacting. And I get why Abed needs people like Jeff and Britta to stand up and help him in this situation. But some of the way that they do it, it just feels like they're overstepping and doing a little bit more harm than good as far as Abed's relationship with his father Absolutely. After Abed's father storms away, that's when we get that really telling Britta line that, oh, this is all about her and her daddy issues. You know, I had a father like you, and the day I finally cut myself loose is the day I finally started being happy. Well, that went well. And it doesn't have much to do with Abed and his relationship with his dad at all, at least to her. Exactly. Then we get this a line from this episode that's really memorable where... Abed says to Jeff that I think I'm going to have you play my father. And there's a shot of Jeff going, I don't want to be your father. Which is another <laughs> douchey line for Jeff that, right? as I've said, this whole awkward scene is setting up better stuff for later. It is. But it is a pretty douchey thing for Jeff to say to Abed. And it's a pretty awkward like joke to end this scene on, too. It is like I don't want to be your father. Oh, you know your line already. You know your line already. And I and it got a a laugh out of me, but not because Jeff was being funny, but like Abed's reaction was what was funny. Jeff's just being mean. And it's a little bit funnier knowing where it all leads to. Absolutely. But when you don't know where it leads to, I get that some things need to lead to the ending to make sense. But if the road there is confusing and problematic, it takes away from some of the effect. Totally. There's not a ton of that in this episode, but there is a little. Um, what this scene also does bring us with Abed filming them is a cool filming thing that they do. I think they do pretty well in this episode, which can be done very poorly on some shows, especially network TV shows and sitcoms. Um, but it's having the shot be through the lens of a camera. I mm-hmm. think they do an okay job with that in this episode. They do. And I think they use it well when they do it. I agree. A lot of times in sitcoms... When characters, like, make films, it's like, how could that person actually make that? Like, how right? could this character actually make that? It's like they have the aid of the production team that the TV show has. And it's like, how is that working? But this all feels very home movie, <laughs> independent filmmaker. 
A hundred percent. Which is re- a really nice touch. Really mm-hmm. thoughtful touch. After that scene, we get a great cafeteria scene, and now we see Jeff all in his Mork and Mindy outfit. You're, he's got the blue jeans on and blue shirt. That's I don't know where I got blue and red. He's got those rainbow suspenders and that light-up tie and, like, bunny slippers. Yeah, the slippers especially I don't get, but, you know, do and, you... I don't know. He's just going so far the opposite direction of what Whitman is wanting. He's just failing in every way and not seeing it. He thinks he's trying harder. Yeah. And there's a funny, the funny Brita line, why are you dressed like an 80s rapist? Yeah. It's, I mean, literally, he looks so ridiculous that it couldn't even be close to perceived as genuine. And Jeff is so blind to his, like, the way people actually perceive him that he can't see that. Yes, and, and this scene... Britta's talking about, like, she's doing all this calculating to give Abed all of this money to make his classes work. And she's just kind of taking it too far. She's, like, giving him spending money, like, really setting home the, like, she's trying to be a mom to him. Yeah. Which works because Abed's kind of trying to manipulate them into father-motherly stuff to work for his film. But a lot of this is, like, conscious decision that Britta's making. Like, all the fatherly stuff from Jeff is kind of manipulated. But Britta's totally, yeah. like, trying to take over Abed's life and trying to, like, support him with money, which I'm sure Britta doesn't have a ton of money. I'm sure she's no, getting this money from her parents. <laughs> yeah, is Britta is not, you know, she's not well off. It doesn't seem particularly, you know. But here she is giving Abed money that he's just burning, like, nobody's business. Because he doesn't need that, you know. He doesn't need to be given in allotment and she said she was planning out his expenses for like an extended amount of time and then giving him all that money at once that's you know again where she's overstepping yeah and kind of trying to fill a role that she didn't have but forcing that and projecting it onto abed who didn't ask for it at all right shirley steps in and really genuinely but also like doing the homework she was given tells Britta that she loves her and gives a valid reason because she's doing a good thing for Abed and following through with it. And Jeff is like, Shirley's just doing her homework. And yeah, she is, but she's being genuine. And that's why she's succeeding and why the other class members are succeeding and Jeff is falling short. Because all Jeff had to do was do the things that all these other people are doing, but instead he's making a spectacle out of himself. Absolutely. I mean, and who cares if Shirley is like, doing it for a grade, she's still going up to people and saying it. That's all he had to do. Mm -hmm. Abed comes up and starts filming them again and compliments, or he he comments on Jeff's apparel and like, is that because you're trying to be my dad or is it because it's Christmas? He's like, it's Christmas. (laughs) Definitely Christmas. Why do these people like Jeff? What? (laughs) I, I don't know. And Britta's like noticing that Abed got a new camera. He spent a lot of money. He's buying a latte at the coffee shop, which is called something silly. I almost paused to write down what it was called on the thing to make that a question, but I was like, if I had to pause it, then it's too hard. Abed's like waving around all this money to Britta, who's like putting together all this money that she's going to give to Abed. Yeah. And I think Abed's just doing it to get a raise out of Britta. He, he's using it to buy coffee for whoever. He's using it for this expensive camera, and he's not going to his classes. No, and that's, and that's another point that shows that Abed didn't want to sign up for the class. Abed likes film, but he never said, I want to take a film class. 
Britta was, she just kind of once again said, oh, you're not getting to dream your dreams. I'm going to make that happen for you. And right. he's forcing that upon him. Whitman walks up to the coffee shop and, um, which is actually, it's called Hot and Brown. Hot and Brown, that's what it was. Hot and Brown. Oh, God. He walks up and sees right through what Jeff's doing, doesn't even give it a glance, barely. It is like, nice try, sloppy. And it's really funny when Whitman places his order. He holds up the menu. He's like, I shall have a birthday cake. A birthday cake. (laughs) But he says it so genuinely. (laughs) Like, he really is like, you know what? I'm not going to be tied down to this menu. I want a birthday cake, and that's what I'm going to order. And I hope he got it. I hope so, too. I highly doubt it from the Greendale coffee shop. I feel like he says, give me a birthday cake, and with that energy, you find a way to make it happen. You find a birthday cake. Yeah, I would. After that, we get the funniest scene in the whole episode, which is also (laughs) the most inconsequential scene in the whole episode of Troy having trouble with the sneeze. It starts with him like on his laptop and he does his little girly sneeze and literally every single person in the like <laughs> common area turns around and laughs at him. Like all 50 people hear his girly sneeze and chastise him for it. Absolutely. Realistic. I think. So Pierce Hawthorne, <laughs> always the man of of knowledge that he can relay to people to help them out in a bind takes it upon himself because clearly he's doing nothing uh, <laughs> other than drinking two sodas yeah to help troy he comes over with two sodas and yeah it is really funny troy instinctively like goes to grab for one he's like nope those are both for me <laughs> yeah i hilarious he then you know they he's like you know i i've met men like you before he's <laughs> like He's like, you're on the top, and now you were on the top, and now you're at the bottom. Totally just projecting his own self doubt on Troy's sneezing situation. Yeah. And Pierce gives him some helpful advice. He says, you know what? First of all, lose the jacket. It makes you look like a high school bitch. I cracked the hell up at that. Which is pretty funny. And Pierce says, when I was a CEO, I had plenty of sneezes that I deployed all the time. For business reasons, to assert dominance, <laughs> as if like this this shambles of a man ever was so precise in everything he did that he had a sneeze for different occasions. Good grief! Yeah. No, he's just master BS or Pierce Hawthorne. Absolutely. And I don't really want to just like talk and quote every sneeze that he does. Or they're so funny. go through this whole scene. It's so small, but they're all so funny. And it's Chevy. Yeah. He makes them all different. He His his facial expression, he just, like, does a fake sneeze. And when he's, like how I mimicked earlier, when he draws in a sneeze and then stops, maybe I won't sneeze. That's so funny. It was so good. You know, like the explosive shock the room and the silence sneeze, the... Or... The draw them in sneeze, you know. Well, maybe I wouldn't sneeze because I'm in control. I mean, you could even use a sneeze to drive home a point. You can, like I think, I, I think the Cubs are going to win it all this year. It was, you know, it was almost like James Spadery, right? He's, he's like, <laughs> but I won't. Yes, I have the power. Yes. It was so good. And uh, something I learned from the commentary, Dan said that. 
there were in these earlier episodes they were still figuring out how long a script should be to match the runtime and so the scripts mm-hmm. were often long so it meant a lot of stuff often got cut and that was a scene that a lot got cut from apparently really? if you pay attention right before the scene ends you can tell that one of the soda cans has been crushed a little bit and dan said there was this really funny bit where um pierce kind of says like Troy used to have it all used to be the talk of the town and crushes the soda can he's like now you're just a sad old man who has nothing <laughs> that's hilarious this is funny after that jeff this shot i love the way that this this outdoor pan of jeff has manipulated so many events to make it look like he's having a spontaneous morning in front of the teacher oh my god yeah and he runs with a kite and this tracking shot of jeff across the campus with the kite is a really pretty beautiful shot yeah i think it looks great um he's He's gotten other people to run with him, and he's saying, like, hey, good morning, sir, good morning. Um, he's he's pulling his kite around. He drops it to start uh, jump roping with a series of girls chanting, go, mister, <laughs> oh my <God>. go, mister. <laughs> as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, my God. They all come in for an unprecedented hug, just conveniently timed to be like a picture in front of Whitman who gives like a I can't blow a raspberry I tried to who gives like a (laughs) 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 he gives a hard thumbs down and says you know what sloppy again and looking at how young all these girls are very creepy oh my god they were like 14 yeah why are they at the community campus did he like pass them on his drive to school and was like Get in the Lexus, guys. I've got a plan right? that I need Doesn't your he, like, help hand one of them, like, some candy. money? Yeah, he oh. pays them off and says, scram. Good grief. That's not great. And this is the scene where this silly plot becomes the most real that it possibly can, and the conversation happens that I keep alluding to. Professor, will you look at the amount of work that I'm putting into this? I mean, throw me a bone! Had I not already cried at the sunrise this morning... I would be weeping right now. What does that mean? What do you mean, Jeff? And Jeff just doesn't understand what that means. He doesn't understand that Whitman's trying to help him find real meaning and him trying to manipulate real meaning and him making his hair look messy so he looks like he doesn't care or like what jacket has the right amount of I don't care. Yeah. Sees the day for real. He like really tells him how it is and Jeff sees what he's saying. Um, something that's a good foreshadowing is he's listing all the things you could actually go do. Fly a kite, but do it for yourself. Kiss a girl in the middle of the day. Mm-hmm. Right as that's being said, Brito walks into the conversation. So that sets up something for a little bit later. Yeah. I think that's a really good scene. I do too. I think it's all around. It's good, and I think it just drives home the point that Jeff just doesn't get it. Yeah, Whitman says it just how it is when he says... Do it for yourself, or you won't just fail my class. You'll fail life. And and you hear, he almost, he, he sounds brokenhearted about yeah. it. Yeah. That he feels like, he's like, I can, you know, change everyone's life, but this guy is, like, beyond that, because he and, just refuses. And then he goes right into, back into the, the silly living in a fantasy world where he, like, bows and gives Britta a flower. 
<laughs> yeah. Britta's here because she wants to talk about Abed. Um, Abed's not showing up to his class, and Britta's worried. And every time she tries to confront him, he just films it. And Jeff pretty much says, first not bluntly and then bluntly, that Abed is not normal. Yeah. Which, even if the way he says it is harsh, is true. Mm-hmm. And you've put yourself into the situation. You've made yourself a part of it and kind of, like, taken control over him to an extent. And now you have to deal with this. Yeah, you made your bed, no lie in it. Yeah. Britta wants Jeff to go talk to Abed, but Jeff doesn't want anything to do with it. He just wants to get his Whitman situation figured out. And that's when we get this really good cut that reveals that Abed's been recording them the whole time. We see his camera lens of their conversation and how he's capturing this raw conversation that's happening about him without them knowing. Yeah, it, it, it and it's funny because you see Abed over there kind of setting up the shot that we were just looking at. Yeah. You know, of them there from a distance. and yeah. And you can tell, you know, it's, it seems like, okay, he's far away just kind of getting a shot of them, but, the you know, he's just overhearing them talking about him uh, and it really sets up kind of the way that he's lived a lot of his life is right. hearing people talk about him and feeling powerless like he can't really do anything about it. And he does – there's that shot of him where he's like crouched with the camera at a specific angle for his shot and he's walking backwards. And yeah. Britta and Jeff are like thrown off by that. They see it as odd behavior and they're like, is he going to kill us or something like that? Yeah. But Abed, like I said before, he can't speak his issue. He's putting it to film. That's just him lining up a shot and doing it the Abed way. Exactly. And, like, give him a little bit of, like, trust him to, he's obviously doing something. So, like, Mm -hmm. stop talking about him and, like, open your ears a little bit or your eyes a little bit to, like, let him do him. Yeah, right? They're they're very quick to just call out everything he's doing as, as just some weird odd thing that doesn't make sense but right he's actually working on putting something together right we cut to the study room and abed's bought pizza for everybody and he's filming it he is obviously still just doing this to get a certain reaction whether he wants like a family dinner kind of scene going on or if he's just trying to still get a rise out of britta yeah and jeff is so turned off by the idea that all of these people are just getting together to have pizza he like can't let it be anything other than a study group Mm-hmm. He's like, let's not get carried away. <laughs> he, it's it's really funny how the one who said at the very beginning that it was a you know family or community or whatever, you know, it, he's the one that's stuck in it and can. fighting against it. Yeah. So Abed's filming them, and Britta kind of tells Jeff to take some lead and talk to Abed about what's going on, and Abed, uh, Jeff says, "So, Abed." How's film class? Good. Yeah? Did you go to class today? Not really. Not really. Well, Britta's paying for those classes. Don't you think maybe you should go? I was shooting my movie. Yeah, but your movie's for class. My movie's more important. And it is more important, and everything that they're doing is exactly what Abed wants them to be doing. Exactly. They're, They're just playing right into what he's wanting. Then we get a really nice cameo. The latte guy... Uh, Abed yeah. has ordered seven lattes to be delivered to the study group, and it's played by none other than Badger from Breaking Bad. Yeah, I love seeing him and stuff. Yeah, me too. He looked really young, and Dan said in the commentary, they mentioned his name when he came up. Everyone was like, we love that guy. 
And yeah. Dan said when they were working on that episode, he didn't know this, but apparently, he, I don't know the actor who plays Badger's name. I'm sorry. I don't remember it. I wish I did. Um, I remember the Badger's real name is Brandon Mayhew. I know a lot about Breaking Bad. I don't know the actor's <laughs> right? name. Dan said that apparently while working on this episode, he found out that Dan and that actor had done improv together like 15 years ago before filming. Really? And he had no idea who the guy was until like after he was on the set. That's wild. I know that um, he was on the show again later on. I think they've worked together on some other things too. Abed just lets Britta keep going on at him and capturing it all on film because she's saying those hurtful maternal things that are going to tell the story that he's trying to tell. Britta's not able to see what's going on. She just feels like she's being abused kind of by someone who's helping her or who she's trying to help. And there's a scene, this moment hits, it hurts a little bit. Why won't you answer me? Because this is the scene where you leave. You better believe it. Right up. That was that was a real, you know, like, oof type of scene. That was tough. It yeah. Hit. Yeah. Abed turns camera to Jeff, who is his dad in the scenario. What do you think, Dad? I think you are really weird, Abed. And I think the wrong person just left. Which works so well in the And I think at that point it becomes context. Oh yeah. I think it, it just it becomes so It also becomes kind very of evident clear what's happening. Dropping hints. Yeah, that's where you really see that like he's having them play out what he already has lived through and right. it's just kind of repeating it. It's just another cycle of people who, you know, are supposed to be there for him, shunning him because right. of who he is. Right. A couple of things about the scene that before we move on, I think it's really fun. There's some really funny eating pizza acting going on in the oh background my God. from Chevy who can't take a bite. He's just like <laughs> slapping the whole thing into it. I don't, it's very funny. And Troy does some I funny stuff that, too. I and it's really good because they just keep just missing and like hitting themselves in the face with it. It's good. The immediate cut to, you know, Abed filming them all eating, Troy's like really hamming it up to the camera and he's like, thank you so much for this pizza, Abed. It's really funny. <laughs> like he's just happy to be involved. It's great. And after the, I think you're really weird, Abed, and I think the wrong person just left, and Jeff leaves, takes his latte, really funny line that the commentary told me was improv when the latte guy says, That guy was your dad? That was really funny. That was pretty funny. Also, his name is Matt Jones. Yeah. See, it, yeah. it's kind of one of those really normal names that Absolutely. I just tend to forget. I checked cause to see if they were on, on the same episode, but they weren't. Um, both Dan Harmon, Creative Community, and Matt Jones, who played Badger, they were both on a podcast that I watch the videos for sometimes, the Getting Doug With High podcast with Doug Benson. Yeah. They both have been on that show. And I like Doug Benson a lot. He's very funny in his guest turns on You're the Worst. I was just about to say I love him on that for sure. This next scene, uh, Jeff has gotten... Britta, Abed, and Abed's dad all to come to the study room for different reasons, and the reasons are funny. Britta thinks she's there because Jeff has tickets to see Ravi Shankar, I think is how you pronounce his name, who is a famous sitar musician. Okay, I wasn't sure who that person was. And then was. Abed's dad comes in and says, where is Weezer? <laughs> Which Where's I Weezer? was so Just like happy they're coming. I love Weezer, but the joke is so funny that Britta comes out, Britta comes out saying something that you think Abed's dad would maybe say. Yeah, and then Abed's absolutely. dad, and it tracks so much more that Brita would be into like the sitar type music, and this uh, Arabic person living in America would be super into the radio band Weezer he heard about, Weezer. you know? 
I think yeah. it's a really funny piece of writing. That's a solid joke. And I think that it also kind of is another challenge of Britta's kind of preconceived notions about him being this, you know, strict, you know, uh, hostile, conservative Muslim man. Yeah. You know, when it's not really quite like that, you know. <laughs> and Jeff does stand up to say something which I think is good after he's been avoiding it the whole time. And what he says is well-intentioned, but like a lot of what Britta does is still not quite right. He says to Abed's dad and to Britta that both of you are here doing what you're doing because of Abed and you care about Abed. But then he segues it to that the lesson is that everyone should just do whatever they want and leave each other out of it. (laughs) So his intentions for once in this episode are genuine but he's still just not quite there totally i think he's he's on the right track but he's still at his core right now is like i'm just trying to get through this and abed's dad fires back with oh that's your take you want how i see it and he uses a lot of iraq war metaphors to say something Mm -hmm. along the lines of you and your girlfriend got all invested and now that it's going to be harder than what you thought it was going to be you're taking a step back and putting it back on me yeah so the point is everybody's kind of sorry, trying to apologize, trying to come to a common ground, but they can't. They're just talking over each other. They're all talking about what is best for Abed, what they know about Abed, while Abed's just in the background quietly putting finishing touches on his film. So they're mm-hmm. all so passionate about Abed without asking or listening to Abed about anything. Of course. there no No one there is taking his needs or wants or feelings into consideration at the hub of this argument Abed breaks the silence finally and says it's finished his film is finished and he wants them to come see it and everyone's hesitant I think it's a great little Abed moment we haven't talked enough about how many great Abed moments there are here because Abed's just quietly doing his thing while everyone else is working for him around him but there Absolutely. are a ton of movements from Danny Pudi that are classic Abed. And the one here that I like is while he's setting them out to watch his movie, he like dignifies which chair is Jeff, which chair is Britta, which chair is dad. Yeah. Which is totally an Abed type thing. We're like, you have to sit here, you have to sit here, you have to sit here. Absolutely, because he specifically made it for them to see it like this, you see it like this. this you have to see it gonna... the way that I saw you seeing it, yeah. Exactly. You know, the whole time, the way he's holding the camera in front of his eyes, no matter where he's moving his head, so that it can really capture what he's you know, seeing the way he, you know, is so not vocal during mm-hmm. the situation because his whole life he hasn't really had a say in what's happened. He just has to kind of deal with it. Right. And that he just continues that here. Right. So let's talk about Abed's film. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. Oh, fun fact about it. A little um, continuity error. His mom is shown as, like, Middle Eastern. She looks kind of Egyptian. I was going like to mention that. that. that you yeah. talk, we hear a lot of talk about his mother being American. Yeah, And in Polish. the future, they mention that she's Polish, yep. Mm-hmm. And Dan talked about that a little bit because he was talking about how people were mad that they casted Danny Pudi, who is half Indian, half Polish, as someone who is half Arabic. Mm-hmm. And Dan kind of went on this spiel about how, like, I get the problematic nature of that and why people get angry about stuff like that the truth of it is that we wrote a character to be a certain way saw hundreds of actors and danny pudi was the one who was abed absolutely so it came down to more okay well maybe abed can instead of being half arabic and have something else 
he can be half Arabic, half Polish, and yeah. and Danny can play half Arabic. And I I get that because yeah. who else could be Abed? I don't think it's a huge problem. No, because like you said, he he was he was Abed, and that's such a minute thing that they put in there just because they want to build out the character that it really doesn't you know matter too too much. His film, when I first watched the series, and a lot of the times I've seen this episode, all of this didn't hit me as hard as it did this time, and this episode didn't hit me as hard as it did this time because I was just watching it for the funny. And this episode yeah. really makes you think and talk. And Abed's film is such a great vocalization of like I can't say the, all of these things here to you, but here it, here's everything I want to say. And absolutely, it's so good. It's it's almost like if you know when a child can't like let you know how they feel, so they have to show you through some sort of yes. medium. That's him. This is his voice. There's not a lot funny about this scene, but my favorite humorous visual is in Abed's film when it shows Jeff and Britta leaving the study room angry, and there's like a picture of a of a wedding cake topper that cracks, <laughs> signifying the end of their marriage. Yeah. And when it cracks, the latte guy is standing behind it, just like <laughs> just like with his mouth open. I think, yeah, I thought it was pretty, pretty funny. Abed's film says a lot. And it's powerful. And like I mentioned before, the fact that it does come off as a student-made independent film rather totally. than like something like Threat Level Midnight does on The Office. Like, it's yeah. believable. It's so Abed. It's so true to the character. Also, that it ends with that flashy, cool Abed films title <laughs> card, which shows that even to Abed... This isn't the huge emotional thing it's going to be to the people in his life. This is just the no. film that he's made. You know, even Absolutely. to even to Abed, he's just moving on to the next thing. And so it's yeah. a great scene, and it brings so much of this episode together well. Yeah, I think it was done great. I think I I, and I got a little bit emotional even looking at it. You know, I thought I it did was too. Great. As soon as the film ends, Jeff and Britta are kind of missing the point a little bit. They don't quite get it. It didn't quite speak to them. Jeff's like, well, it's not exactly Citizen Kane. Yeah, what a dick thing to say. And then we see Abed's dad in tears. And he heard everything that Abed was trying to say. And he saw it. Abed turns his head at his dad's reaction because he doesn't quite understand it. He doesn't quite understand the tears. But because of this film that Abed's made, Abed and his father get to have a short, beautiful, difficult conversation about divorce and what's happened with their family because finally for the first time they can talk about this because of the film Abed's made and it's beautiful it absolutely it, it and transcends I, and I like, the show yeah it does and I like that they have the conversation in Arabic because then that makes it for the two of them not for Britta and Jeff who are kind of scoffing at the whole thing anyway and I think that just the delivery of that that line where he's like you know I, I never said it was I never said I blamed you for your mother leaving and Abed's like you know you didn't have to yeah. I think that just is such a thing that so many people can relate to. And Britta, just like you said, she speaks right up and says, I feel kind of out of the loop in that total like white privilege kind of way or of yeah. Britta's privilege just of like not being able to not be a part of this thing that she helped happen, to not just let it be awesome and beautiful. It doesn't she, she even looks at Jeff and mouths like I made this happen at one point. Here in a second, a... and that moment doesn't bother me as much. I want to get to that in a second. Because um, right here, I don't want to undercut this beautiful line reading yeah. from Abed's father of saying, 
His son is hard to understand. If making movies help him be understood, then I pay for the class. Mm -hmm. After that is said, nobody says anything, but Britta looks at Abed, Abed, and has that just warm smile of like, this is really happening. Abed mm -hmm. looks back at her with like just a slight eyebrow raise because he knows what's going on too. That's when Britta nudges Jeff and is like, I did this. I made this happen. And Jeff kind of gets involved with the two. I don't know whether or not Britta's little I made this happen is, is a little narcissistic. This mm -hmm. moment of all of them reacting to this moment felt so human. It didn't yeah. feel like characters on a sitcom telling That's jokes true. at all. Britta was happy that the boundary is coming up with Abed and his dad, even a small, it just felt so real for a second. For that Those seconds without dialogue just felt like real people, real new friends reacting to something together. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was a really, uh, one of my favorite moments in the episode that I really stood out to me and I noticed it's when they're not talking at all. It's just the characters. Absolutely, it was such a just nice moment. Abed's dad is willing to pay for the classes as long as as long as Falafel remains a fallback. Britta kind of calls out Abed and says, "Did you do all of this to manipulate me? Did you do all of this to make this film just to make me feel this way? That's not a very good way to treat your friends." And after all of this heavy stuff, Abed goes back into like that Snoopy mentality. Well, Britta, it isn't called friend business. It's called show business. Takes a cigarette yeah. out of his pocket, puts it in his mouth. <laughs> And walks away. Yeah, that was pretty funny. Leading to that last mom and dad Britta moment where Jeff is like, honey, they're growing up so fast. And Britta's like, he's smoking now? <laughs> yeah, and, that was that was funny. And there's a little bit of a cringy moment with Jeff putting his hand on Britta's leg. Yeah. But I'll let that slide, I think. <laughs> they're, they're playing their part. We follow this up to, there's just about a minute left in the episode, two minutes, and it's, and it's wrapping up these plots. Uh, Shirley, Troy, and Pierce are walking outside, and Troy is in like a suit jacket now yeah. instead of his Letterman jacket. Pierce is like watching every move, and Shirley's like so startled by Troy's, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't even sound like a sneeze at all, and it certainly isn't Troy sneezing, it's just him making this loud grunt. <laughs> yeah. God, God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. And Shirley's like impressed by it. And it's like, oh, oh, God bless you. Yes, he is a little man. Mm -hmm. And Troy says in a lower voice, thank you. Thank you. And I thought it was nice that they put a little button on this nothing of a sea storyline. Yeah, very funny. I enjoyed it quite a bit. You can see here, Pierce and Troy fist bump. So you can see that this was, they were still considering. Pierce and Troy being like a, a buddy duo. Yeah. This is what that would have been like, and it was pretty funny. Definitely the comedic highlight of the episode was about them sneezing. Oh, absolutely. Britta and Jeff are walking outside talking about what they've done and their peace in it and what they've learned from it, and Britta says that will-they-won't-they they thing that I'm sure a lot of people were waiting for. Hey, um, you should kiss me right now. And they do. Ooh. And I was going to say, before... Before we get to the fallout of the kiss and like why it really happened, mm -hmm. yeah, the kiss itself does come off a little bit loaded because this whole episode, Jeff and Britta have been de dealing with something together, yeah, not really pushing Jeff's romantic attraction to her, 
and they've been working as like a father-mother unit, kind of. I don't know. I like that they chose to... The kiss comes as a surprise. Yeah. And I, I kind of like the way that they, they did that, to where when they kissed, if you were like, oh, if your heart were to flutter by that, I kind of understand why. It It's loaded. It comes after they've been doing something together that now we can look back in another context and see it as being maybe a little bit of sexual tension between them this whole episode. Mm-hmm. And they kiss and it's definitely real for Jeff and yeah. Britta doesn't show that it's not real, but it's just to impress Professor Whitman. Day seized! We're even. Hey, plus, Winger! I know a life-changing kiss when I see one. Wowee! <laughs> yeah. You. Jeff gets to fix his problem where he wants to get an easy A from this class without having to learn or do anything or change. That does happen, but it does. It, he doesn't quite get it his way. He, he he almost does change. That kiss like does change him a little bit. Yeah, you can tell he definitely you know felt the weight of it, even though immediately after uh, the teacher says that, Britta's like, okay, now we're even. So I'm still not on board with Jeff and Britta, but this was a pretty well-structured, like, the, the sexual tension is there. I'm not that excited to see it play out, but it doesn't seem like story definitely set something. up anymore. It comes yeah. from the characters a little bit more than what it does, like, just coming from necessity. Totally. So Professor Whitman goes and climbs a tree, <laughs> and the last of the shot, he's just climbing his tree, doing his thing. Jeff is walking his way... And the episode fades. And that's how it ends. Yeah. A good episode. To talk about the end tag. Am I cramping? No. Am I cramping? No. Am I cramping? No. Am I cramping now? No. This is cramping. Yeah. I love that after this whole episode about Abed and the way Abed sees the world and how Abed has trouble communicating, but he has no problem crumping. And he can let himself go and be silly and wild. He's not like a machine. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. I, th- I thought the whole end tag was hilarious. It it just made me laugh so hard. It's so because random. And, and it just continues building with that, like, little bit of irony that's like, oh, you know, of course Troy's going to talk bad on his, and then Troy is like, oh, this is how you crump. And you think, okay, cool football player, maybe he'll actually do it. But no, of course not, and it looks ridiculous. And then you think Jeff is just going (laughs) to turn his nose up at it, but he joins in with them and crumps and is silly right with them. Which is great to see, like, the three of them with a bond and a friendship, because that does grow, you know, especially between Troy and Abed. But, you know, Jeff is a part of that crew, too, and he grows to care about them and... And I like that. So you had to kind of talk about the episode as a whole. It's not exactly my favorite example of these early episodes. I don't think I like it as much as last week's episode. No. But the hard character work they do with Abed and his family situation, and by proxy with Britta, they do, they're doing a lot right here. The relationships are becoming more formed. The characters are becoming real people. Even if it wasn't my favorite funniest episode yet... The show is itself. It's getting really close to being itself. Absolutely. I think that even though this this episode has a few more jokes that miss than the second one, I think it's still very funny, and I laughed quite a bit during it. And I think that it it starts to touch on some more real topics and try some different emotions, not just humor. And I think it does it well in this episode and really kind of just opens the door for more uh, growth in the characters throughout the show. 
And all the plots are really successful in this one. The Abed plot is the A plot, but it's hard to say that Jeff and Professor Whitman is really a B plot. It's kind of like there's two main plots going on at once. Exactly. And then the Troy stuff is just like a silly runner. And all of the stories mm-hmm. are successful. They come around at the end, and the stories end satisfyingly. Yeah, they're not really affected you know, by one another. A whole yeah. Lot. And like I said, it shows how all of these people are on Greendale at large and the way that the study group kind of like intertwine throughout what they're doing. Like Jeff's got his thing with this other class, but he gets involved with what uh, Britta and Abed are doing. Or like Shirley is in that class, but she gets involved with what Pierce and Troy are doing a little bit. Mm-hmm. I think it's cool. The yeah, characters are well suited other than Annie. Yeah. Yeah, she doesn't really get a whole lot in this episode, but you know, there's a lot of people. So this being said, who is your MVP this week? Okay, this one's tough for me because I think that there are a few people that I think did well. Mm-hmm. But I'm actually going to give my MVP to Abed's dad. I agree with you. I, that's not where I'm going to go. Yeah, I don't think any of the main characters stand out so even though they're they're done satisfyingly and successfully. Yeah. None of them like steal the episode. I think that for me what it was is throughout the episode he kind of worked against what the stereotype was a little bit with with I still, you know, he's obviously an overbearing and overprotective dad who's a little controlling, but you know, he's not quite as close-minded and unwilling to change as a lot of times that's portrayed in TV shows. And I also think that at the end, the fact that he got it and saw what his, his son had seen through his eyes and was able to kind of say, okay, I see this is what you need. And the fact that he, at the end of the episode, is the one who said, you know, he, he grew more than anyone else's episode, certainly more than Britta or Jeff did, because Jeff didn't actually undergo any sort of grand change. You know, yeah, he seized the moment a little bit because he and Britta kissed, but he's still Jeff, you know. Britta is still Britta, but I think that he really went, underwent a big growth uh, internally, and so he gets my MVP because of that. I'm going to give my MVP to Professor Whitman. I like it. John Michael Higgins is so silly. He provides a lot of the laughs of this episode, and I think his Seize the Day class is the most memorable thing from this episode for me. Mm-hmm. And communities made up of a bunch of silly college classes. Like, Absolutely. like, who's the boss and who's the boss? Or, like, is Nicolas Cage good or bad? Or <laughs> like, And this is kind of the beginning of that. To where it's yeah. still grounded in a real college, but we're starting to see the silly Greendale come through. And I think John Michael Higgins does a great job. And Whitman's really funny. So he gets it this week. Yeah, great episode. I really enjoyable. I'm excited to keep watching uh, the season. And we're getting closer and closer to Halloween. Yeah. For the show. So this is pretty close to wrapping it up for our episode this week. We don't have any emails to talk about this week. I know that community has not been on anybody's mind this week. It certainly hasn't been on ours. It's felt really good to jump back into it as an outlet. Um, but I just, I think because of what's going on right now, this episode feels a little bit different. Yeah, it does. It feels a little bit different to be doing it. And I think that's right, that it, it should feel different. So, yeah, so I'm sorry if this ending feels a little bit different. This this week, more than being an episode of a podcast that I'm trying to promote, is it, I just wanted something to do and to talk about and to feel a little bit better, and I do. This was like Absolutely. using this as a method of venting, kind of, in a way. 
So I hope you still enjoyed the episode. Yeah, thanks for listening. Don't forget to uh, like us. <laughs> yeah, please like us. That's all we need. We just want to <laughs> yeah. be liked. And, you know, I, I don't, I don't need to be liked. I I want to be liked. I have to be liked. But I don't need to be liked. You know. <laughs> so even if this is a little bit of a different episode than what we want to be putting out every single week. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, if you enjoyed listening to it, it would be great if people start sharing the show, whether that means retweeting us or um, sharing our link to friends who like community. Uh, in any way you can do that, sharing and getting our show out to more people if you like it would be really helpful. Next Absolutely. week, we're covering an episode called Social Psychology, which is a really great episode where we meet Vaughn, the hippie boyfriend of a couple characters who is really funny, I think. And yeah. it's also the episode where Troy and Abed are in like a social experiment that Annie is running. So I'm excited to revisit that one. Feel free to contact us on our social medias to tell us your favorite parts of that episode and to get involved with it. Um, you can email us at can'tdisappointpodcast at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're all over the place. Yeah, we'll see you then. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend, uh, tell a boss, tell a co-worker, um, and we'll see you next time. And outside of this, keep doing the social stuff you need to be doing. Donate to those causes. Uh, keep shouting Black Lives Matter as loud as you can. Absolutely. Don't be silent. Be an ally. Be a warrior. And stay safe, guys. From inside the Dreamatorium, I'm Zach. And I'm Steven. This has been You Can't Disappoint a Podcast. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Exactly, Citizen Kane.